Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're live. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Episode three for the season, I guess that would be three weeks into the season. Yeah, episode three, recapping week two. Week two for the season. There we go. Week two, yes. Probably should have figured that out before we went live, but that's okay. As always, joined by Jason. Yeah, it's a little bit of a toss-up here. If you want to call the first episode a week zero preview or a week one preview. Yeah, it was probably week zero because we never actually, there was no games. Yeah, no games. So we didn't talk about any games. So that was week zero and week one happened. Now we're on week two and we recap from that. So yeah, we close enough. One, two, yep. three, all the same. Yeah. So last week, if you remember, we the Leafs went two and one. Uh, they started on two wins and ended on the loss. So the episode's ending or starting on a more somber note, we'll call it. This week, they lost the first one and then won the next two. So a little bit more of a high note, despite only getting 17 shots last game. So we're going to take you through those three games. We're going to take you through some power play. We're going to take you through the NHL edge data, this new new platform or new part of the website that they've introduced. And don't think I forgot. Do not think I forgot. We're going to be talking about Joseph Wool or Wool. Joseph Wool. And before I forget, Joseph Wool, I read, I don't have it in front of me, but I read this from The Athletic. He, once the Leafs got eliminated from the playoffs, Joseph Wool went to the Alps and was hiking in the Alps by himself, just with the goats and the. So there's not many. Uh, predators up there so he was just hiking around in the alps trying to get back into motion and you know what starting this year on a high note tell you that i oh yeah i mean started the summer on a high note too being that high up in the altitude but uh (laughs) i mean that's a great that's a crazy story i can't believe he did that uh, I know a couple people who like to go camping solo. I don't know if I would ever do that, but they say I always say it's like good for a mental refresh, get you get you in like the right mind, have you focus and like because you're just it's like it's the most like one of the more primitive things you can do. And we're gonna quickly turn this into a Joe Rogan podcast right now. We're gonna talk about bow hunting and uh, yeah, living out on our own, camping by yourself, <laughs> and go deep yeah, into no. the woods all by yourself, no cell phone. Throw your cell phone away too. You don't want that radiation. Who would have thought that's all you needed was just to go camping by yourself to become an elite goalie in the NHL? That just sounds dangerous. <laughs> I would He's never. So. I would never, never do that. Go go out into the wilderness by myself without running water. That'd be insane. I don't. I think he was coming back to a camp eventually, but I I don't know. Anyways, so let's get let's dive right into let's it. Let's get into it. Recapping the last three games. So the game against the Florida Panthers. I mean, it was a weird one because I don't want to call that really a bad game. It was a bad first period. I didn't really like the first period very much. They went down 2-0, and it was off of two late goals in the period, two two goals from from the perimeter. But, you know, like one of them, maybe I'll give Samson off the benefit of the doubt a little bit. The second one... They were both kind of similar, and it was just like, okay, you gotta, you gotta have one of those. I'll say they were both screens, but like, come on, like you could have done a little bit better to look through those screens. But mm-hmm. the second period, they came out, they played better, they scored a power play goal, 
The issue is with this game, it's the Florida Panthers. You're you now have kind of started a rivalry with. You just kind of started a little bit flat. You scored zero five on five goals. Oh, and also the Florida Panthers were without Brandon Montour, Aaron Ekblad, and Sam Bennett. They had a guy on defense I've never heard of. I've never heard of this guy. Just it was a makeup make belief guy, might as well be. And you managed zero five on five goals and you lost two two one. That's where I was like, okay, it's a, it's a decent effort. It's something, but it left you wanting more. So then any thoughts on the Panthers game there? Yeah, no, the like you said, left you wanting more, left a little bit to be desired here. And I'm gonna pull up the uh the quick heat mat for shots here. And I mean like listen, I feel like we definitely could have probably played better, but I don't know. I, I don't I don't really have much to say about this game. It wasn't a good game by any means. Um but flat. Yeah, flat. I think flat's a good flat. way to put it. Maybe maybe they settled into that that nice warm Florida sun a little bit too much there. So maybe that was the uh the problem with it. But yeah. Anyways. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't have much to say on it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it was just like a flat kind of game, trading some chances. They could have had it. It wasn't like it was fully out of grasp. They did go down too, but Morgan Riley missed an open net. John yeah. Tavares got a fantastic chance late off of a great feed from Mitch Marner behind below the goal line, which we'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Um, as well as there was a two-on-one and it was Nylander and Matthews on a two-on-one. Dreams are made of this. Two-on-one. We're back in the game. Let's go. Let's go. They call it. Nylander was an offside. Matthews was an offside. Max Domi on the change was offside. Crazy. I couldn't believe that. That was before. Like he had a he had a better game against Tampa. Better game against Washington. It was just like, oh, God, this guy's season has started on a fart note, to say the least. But so then, flash forward to Saturday. Saturday comes, new day, Samsonov back in the net, starting against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Okay, come on, another kind of a rival, kind of rivalry game, because those are two, like, you know, you had a couple playoff series against one, a playoff series against the other. So there is some animosity there, I would say. And you know what? They came out a little bit harder. First shift, Austin Matthews inside of the post. They were flying out there. They got the first goal, which they hadn't in all of the other previous games. But, oh, God. What did you think about the rest of the first period? They went up one nothing. Uh, I'm at that part kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, it was, it was a good electric first period, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, I... I, for me, honestly, it's hard for me to remember the periods other than like the last game. To me, it all just kind of mushes down into one. So like when you go period by period, you you, you lose me. But yeah, um, I don't know. Lot lot to be desired this week, but we still came out with two wins. So yeah. I'll take that. It wasn't just that. It was like two power play goals against mm -hmm. in that, that one. Good. Three total. They went down 3-1 and they pulled Samson off. Guess on how many shots? Do you remember? Four shots. Now I remember. Yeah. Four that shots. was bad. That was bad. Sheldon Keith said in the post-game presser, he's like, you can't let in three on four shots. Like, okay, yeah. the first one, it was um, it was a quick play on the power play. It was a good shot by Nikita Kucherov. Placed it perfectly. Was Samson off a bit off angle? I thought so. Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. It was a good quick shot. The second one, he had no chance. Uh, John Tavares and William Nylander were playing the same position for some reason, and they just got totally lost. The third one I had an issue with. The pass is going from the blue line mm. all the way to the top Good of the drop. circles, like out of the scoring area, kind of. And he slides, but not only does he slide, he slides so slowly I, I slowed it down, got a good angle, stopped it. He missed that puck by like a full foot. That was just a, it was, it was like he wasn't ready. That was a standard puck going from your right side to the left side, pretty far across pass, where if you're sliding, which I don't think you should have been, you should get there no problem. 
he did not. He did not even come close to that puck. And then yeah. he got the yank, and deservedly so. But Joseph Wall showed out in that one, man. Oh, my goodness. They saw some line flipping, too, which was crazy. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into Joseph Wall as like a little subject later. But I mean, like you said, like good kudos to him for being ready, coming in super cold. You we even talked about how like how crazy it is that like goalies just have to like if they get pulled and the backup comes in, that guy just has to come in. He has like no time to stretch, no time to do nothing. If you think about like baseball in comparison, these relief pitchers are warming up for like innings beforehand, getting the arms warm. They come in, they throw pitches beforehand. These these goalies literally just they get up get on the ice, do like three quick stretches and then bang yeah. game. Like, and to not allow a single goal, uh, like cold to like that, that's well. crazy to me. So yeah, he was crazy. awesome. Awesome, yeah. man. I could, I can't say enough good things. I mean, I didn't see many, many mistakes really in that. One. Yeah. Like there was maybe one play got a little bit scrambly, but settled in perfectly. Like after on that play and made a great save. Like made a few really clutch saves. Brain point on the Braden point on the breakaway. There was a good Darren Radish chance off of a three on two or a three on one. Nikita Kucherov uh, off of a David Camp uh, lost him late late in the game. Thirty seconds left. Made a great save there, and the Leafs were able to get it done in overtime. But not to just talk about Joseph Wall in that game too. I thought Matthews Marner Nylander looked pretty good. They got some good chances. I will say. Um, but on top of that, I thought that Matthew Nyes and Max Domi looked pretty good. And Matthew Nyes overall in this game had a very good one too. Two goals. I mean, the Max Domi one, the funny thing is, and we discussed this as well on Saturday after the game, a lot of people were going to look at it. Max Domi, two assists. He's right. He's back. Like, wow, that's great. Two assists. You look at one of the assists. How many times does a backhand from the half boards get across the ice like that through, through, through like two guys? Yeah, that's, that was that the worst been. defensive play I've seen by Samkos in a long time. I don't know what the hell he was doing there. That was a weak backhand. Yeah, that that puck should have never gone through. And then on top of that, for the like, I'll, I'll give him credit though for the second goal that they that he assisted on because he was able to draw in that defender and like you saw nice was waiting his for that controller puck, like, broke. it looked like his yeah. controller broke it was just like and then he got so, it over luckily and it hit nice yeah. and he fortunate to get it up i mean i will say on the first play the first goal on his first assist he did make a nice play like breaking the puck out like okay it was it was very good up until the blue line it, where it was again like he's going haywire it's just like he crosses the blue line and it's like it's hockey time <laughs> <laughs> his brain's going like that. How are you supposed to make a play like when your your brain's moving that fast, right? It reminds yeah. me, he's like it, the, the hamster wheel's turning so fast. It reminds me of a small dog running, like the, the, the legs going like. <laughs> da, 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 da. But anyways, that was uh, Max told me look better the last two games. I thought, yeah, he, yeah, he, he's he's definitely been looking better too. And I mean, something that we didn't really like that you mentioned, but kind of glossed over is that they kind of change up the lines going, not going into this game, but like halfway through this game where they put Nylander on this, on the third line there. And then they had Domi or sorry, excuse me, Nylander on the first line uh, with Matthews and Marner. And then they had JT yarn crook and Bertuzzi. And then they mm-hmm. had Domi who's, who's, who was on the wing of Domi and Nyes or Do- Domi Nyes camp mm-hmm. camp was playing center because Minton's not in, Holmberg was on the fourth line, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, yeah. So, and I, I mean, that third line looks better. And it's interesting because, like, we're, seems like we're, we're not going to get Bertuzzi on the second line. We'll talk about that, like, when we get into the cap. He was game. on the second line. Or, last sorry, game. on the first line. Oh my God, my brain is broken. Right they now. moved so, him off. Yes. It, it, yes. it kind of seems like they're just trying to do one move too many. It looks good in certain facets, but it's, it, they're almost, just thinking too much. They're they're trying to do too much. There's too many passes going on. Whereas I feel like with uh, Bertuzzi on the second line, that's not quite happening as much because John Tavares and like when you look at uh, Marner and Matthews together, when they were with Bunting and that line was at its peak playing, like operating on all cylinders, the passes, it was like steal the puck. One guy steal the puck, pass, pass, back of the net. I think mm-hmm. I have a video somewhere of like all of the assists from all three of them getting in on plays. It was pass, pass, back of the net. Like it, it felt like with Bertuzzi, it was like pass, 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 pass. And it was just overpassing. Puck was skipping over. 
but you could see the good plays get in motion. It just felt like one pass too many, kind of mm-hmm. trying to figure each other out. Whereas like Nylander and Tavares both, I feel like, like to hold the puck a little bit more. And Bertuzzi is able to do more of his thing there. And I mean, we'll bring it up later, but we have, I'll break down the clip. Uh, that second goal was a uh, beauty from that line. Yeah, let, let's just directly get into that game then, right? Because we saw the, excuse me, the main lines that we were rolling with was that Yarn Crookle is on that first line with Matthews yes. and Marner and there. They and they played terrible. Also, yeah, they, they didn't play they great. Played and it's like, we, we've seen this line before and we know that it doesn't really work too well. Okay. Um, I'm just not a fan of it. I it's mean, okay. again, uh, they, yeah, they it's, got, it's okay. They got hammered, though. I will say, to be fair, we all, everyone got hammered at five on five. Not, like, uh, not really. We all, everyone lost the the at least the Corsi battle at five on five. So okay. I, we, you got outshot like uh, like the entire like it was the were the shots. Check like, it though. I think Max Domi's line did pretty well. I think Nylander was middle of the packish. So the fourth line was they got hammered. They got they were like zero. So they got that. hammered and expected goals, but they like in actual they the shots battle? they they were fifty fifty on the Corsi battle. Uh, awesome. But no, expected, go- <laughs> expected goals wise. I mean, yeah, I, there, there are just so many volume of was crazy volume zero? of shots. Camp. Oh, what was zero? he? What? Was he zero percent? No, 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 no. Well, I'm just looking at the lines, uh, the oh. three players playing together. So I'm not looking at the individual at five on oh, five. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyways, I mean, what would you have any thoughts on like the, I mean, you just kind of shared, do you, do you like this third line though? Like, is this, is this, because I feel like we almost have to work backwards with these because any combination you have in the top six should probably work, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's hard to not make it work when you have four strong players. And uh, well, I, I'll tell Vares. you how it doesn't work. Max Tomey was when he was on that second line, yeah, it didn't fair, work too well. Fair. So fair. there was so do that. You, do you like this third line though? I know we talked about Nyes in this uh, in the second in the second game they played this year, like or second game they played this week. Him and Domi had chemistry. Do you feel like they had the chemistry in this game? Not so much. I like, it was, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, wasn't as much. But I mean, like when that line's at its best, like it, it's that third goal from the uh, from the Saturday game. Camp mm-hmm. comes in, causes the turnover at center ice. Max Domi with the carry in, and Matthew Nyes with the finish there. I mean. Against Washington, I guess every line was kind of quiet. So it's it's yeah, it's it's weird. They were they're quiet, but we got we got those sorry to interrupt. They were quiet, but we got those like little offensive bursts that just like they were goals, right? Like we scored very quick, very early, not early in the game, but like in the second period, one in the first, two in the second, right? Very early on in that second period. So it's like once that happened, you're up 3-0. I mean, they're already kind of getting those shots against before that, but I mean it's it's weird because we scored right so it's like mm-hmm. and then for the rest of the game it feels like that's where we got like kind of hammered in was in that third period where it's like felt like we were maybe laid back a little bit more i don't know is that fa- is that fair to say yeah i mean that game became so laid back at one point that on the penalty kill everyone decided that they were going to play on the right side i don't know i don't know what the hell like that that one goal against was just so bad when you look at it, all four penalty killers are on one side of the ice. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it got a little lackadaisical. Washington got, like, you know, a little bit shot happy, we'll call it. Um, in terms of the third period, though, I mean, there's a couple good saves. I want to say I'm trying to remember. We'll pull them up later, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, why, they, they, why don't we just pull up goals? The but, goal like, now. it seemed like right off the hop, yeah, like Washington. They had that power play. They got a bunch of shots there. Uh, the Leafs power play one went out and didn't really do that much, but then power play two scored. And it was just like every chance the Leafs got, they scored. And then the game is kind of out of reach. I mean, if we're doing yeah. like, if that's a tryout game, it's it's kind of tough to evaluate. But overall, I wouldn't say that they played well. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think they played like they, yeah, they, they got shelled. What, what were the shots? I keep, I keep 30, asking. Uh, 37 17. Yeah, thir- yeah, thirty-seven to seventeen. That's at that was at five on like at five on five. It was thirty-four to seventeen. Yeah, like you said, thirty-four. Like basically the same thing. Like, I mean, they got destroyed. The destroy just pure quantity of shots again. So just something that you don't want to see, and that's something actually that they should be, we should look to be working on here. But I, I'm sure these are things that'll 
hopefully be ironed out down the stretch. Again, I'm not going to overreact to stuff. It's only game, what was it, game six? We've looked like, in if we if we lost, people would be freaking out about this game. But like we've lost this game in the past early on in the season. We've lost some games like this very similar years, like in the in years past. I'm not worried about it. So uh, there was yeah, something though. You shoot the other team 37-17, you lose 4-1. Yeah, that happens. And then the inverse happens where like early on we got, well, was it was it Pittsburgh that kind of like shit pumped us two years ago? Like 7-2, completely 7-1. dominant. 7-1, completely outshot. 7-1, us. but that wasn't the worst part about that game. Everyone on Pittsburgh was injured. Yes, you that got was the, that, flattened seven yeah. one by the Wilkesbury Scranton Penguins, and that's where all hell broke loose. That this season is done. These team sucks. But then they shortly thereafter went on uh, a little bit of a run, crazy run. Um, yeah, last year, what was the? I guess the freakout game might have been Arizona, right? They it was Chicago, but we won. It was Chicago, but we won. Was that, that two, Chicago was that, game was last year? Was that last? That might have been two years ago, actually, now that I think about it. It was. Yes, it was. Oh, was that was the, the Penguin season that you're talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. there. Um, last year, when did they turn it around? It was. I last think year, right. they was, won a couple Arizona. games? It was Arizona. It was Arizona, Arizona when they, they lost, they, yeah. It was when they said, like, we have star players, but they play harder or something like that. It was Sheldon Keith said that. Remember that? It's like they have, we have star. What's the difference? A reporter asking, what's the difference between you and Arizona? He said, we have star players and they just, they want it more. Something, something along those lines. Something like, that's, like that's, that. Anyways. Christian Fisher made the, the, the comment about ticket prices or whatever, even though Mullet Arena ticket prices are not cheap. Yeah, that was so. banana stuff. So there, there is something that you pulled from this game that you want to get into with the, the JT goal. Do you want to just like, kind yeah, of talk pull it, it up, talk us through it right here? Or? Yes. Let's get that on the screen. Yeah. Okay. Are they moving backwards? Okay. Whoops. Okay, let's start from the beginning. So Puck gets chipped in here. William Nylander is first on the forecheck on Martin Farivari there. He makes the hit on he makes contact with Martin Farivari and it kind of frees up the puck. It's not a clean pass that Farivari gets off. So great job by Nylander, like getting in, getting quick on that fort check there. And then I love this second part here. John Tavares, puck battle monster along the boards. Little shift, little shift, frees it up, gets it to Tyler Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi, look, head up here, he knows where he's passing it. That lane is wide open. I don't know what Sonny Milano's doing or who he's defending, but that's okay. Beautiful pass from Tyler Bertuzzi, tape to tape to Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley gets dancing there. Dancing. Did you see those moves there? Like, let's back it up a little bit. So that puck gets to Morgan Riley. And I mean, this isn't a wide open shot. He gets it, adjust, adjust, adjust. Oop, little back, gets it through the defender. And then John Tavares, if we're going to back it up one more time here. Look at this guy. What? Uh, that guy's got the ass of a stallion. Watch him get in front here. Gets in front, body position, not even close, stick open for the tip, and tips it in. No problem. That just shows strength and a little bit of touch there. I thought that goal was a beautiful forecheck, although they're playing against the Washington Capitals, and they suck. But... I got to triple check because last time I checked, the Washington Capitals are actually beating the juggernaut New Jersey Devils 3-0 after the first period. Only gave up two shots there too. Hunter Shepard, how was that for your first NHL game? It is now 4-3 New Jersey. So fuck me, I guess. Wow, that's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy how 20 minutes can just change things like that. Um, It's not, it hasn't been 20 minutes. Since it the last co- time I checked, it's been 13. Not even. That's crazy. That's craziness. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, I, I like that play from from Morgan Riley there. His the, the biggest thing about him, like doing this little dance there, was the eyes up throughout it. And he kind of identified oh, yeah. JT open in front of the net there, got the tip off. And I mean, yeah, that's it. Like I like that's how you that's a, that's how you want to drop a, a net front play like that. Just get body positioning, have your stick presented, and yeah. Good stuff there from the good, good, the good pull on too. that one. I thought that was just textbook beautiful. And then even, 
Uh, so Nylander doesn't get an assist on that one, but he he started off. He had a good play in that one too. So each guy contributing, and it uh, it looks great there. So you had some clips as well that you wanted to pull up. Yeah, I wanted to pull up some stuff on the power play. Um, but be- before we get into the stuff on the power play, though, I want to quickly give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Over at DraftKings, the NFL season is continuing to go strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet $5 on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings is not just stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener for every game day this October. Uh, I mean, you know, it's week eight in the NFL right now. Take advantage of these game days offer in October. It's the last week of October here. So make sure you get uh, those offers in and take advantage of them. Usually a little bit of a profit boost. If you're going to be betting on the NFL, you might as well be getting a little boost on it. So use DraftKings. So anyways, get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner of Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gambling resources here. So before, before I get into this quickly, just one thing that I wanted to point out was when... I started this. I just like at the beginning of the year, I think we talked about it a lot. We wanted to discuss the power play. We wanted to talk about how how it would look different because obviously we have new pieces on there, right? So mm-hmm. I mean John New Klingon, coach John, too running it. New, exactly. new, new coach new coach. Some dumbasses were saying, coach. Oh, we had a tr- this guy loves to employ the trap. Why why do we have him on the power play now? He's a power play coach. Yeah, so I mean yeah. I, I I think he's done a good job. It, it's not really, it's tough to say how much he's implemented, how much was implemented before him. Right. But I mean, I have, I kind of have three takeaways from the power play. And the first one being Klingberg being a threat. And these, I have three clips that I'm going to pull up here and this, they're just going to show why I think Klingberg is a threat and why I think he's either, he is a threat in himself and he's able to draw people in more efficiently than Morgan Riley or other teams just respect him more than Morgan Riley, and they're going to commit more to him. So just there, I have three clips specifically here. Uh, I'm going to start with the first one right here. This one's off the rush, uh, and this one's off the rush here. And, I mean, Nylander gains the zone, curls back. There's a man on him. Klingberg gets the puck, and I know he kind of skates himself into dead ice right here, but as you can see, of course, there's two men kind of posted up with these two Leafs players here in Nylander and Klingberg, and Klingberg right away eyes up, fires it down, Right to Mitch Marner, and instantly there's a mismatch. Three on two, down low. I mean, and it leads to a little scoring chance here for Austin Matthews. Doesn't go in, puck goes the other way. We haven't seen a goal come yet from this little high to low stuff here that I've I've been noticing. But uh, yeah, like I just think this is just this is like a consistent thing you're going to see from Klingberg, and a consistent thing I saw from Klingberg is his ability to just draw the man in, and not just not just where a guy would skate by him and curl off. He makes them commit. Like he makes mm-hmm. it so like if if you're going to chase me down and I move the puck, you have to stop, turn around and go. You, you can't just do like a little like drive by. Right. Which I, I feel like was happening a lot last year with, uh, with, I mean, teams attacking the point here. And now in this second clip, people are going to recognize this a lot because it's the, uh, we've seen this a lot where we have the, like the, the defenseman standing in the middle and you have Matthews attacking downhill and he loves to do this. Right. But the biggest thing here is that I think is that, John Tavares or William Nylander on the flank there. And you have Mitch Marner down low right here, net side. So again, attacking on the flanks, like, like Matthews likes to do, he looks to attack downhill, but he sees, look, no open space, throw it back to Klingberg. Klingberg gets the puck and look what Klingberg instantly does. Starts getting the other way. Cause he knows that Matthews wants to attack downhill. 
Klingberg draws that forward away. There's three forwards stack on, on the opposite side of the ice of, of Matthews right now. Rips it back to Matthews, then bang. Look how much open ice Matthews has. And on top of that, look at Mitch Marner wide open right in front of the net here. This this should have turned into a goal. Unfortunately, it didn't didn't really corral the pass that well. Forced, forced all those four defenders to rush down low. And then just, again, creating little chances there. So that's the second clip. Third clip we got here uh, is was more more so like a, a a reflection of how kind of this the, the team is playing a kind of a different style than last year in the sense that we were like again an, another example of Klingberg but it's also showing how this team is just kind of it felt like the last two years we've kind of been anchored to those flanks right Nylander, Marner whoever it is on that right flank he'd kind of be anchored there and there's less flow and as the year went on last year we kind of saw more flow but this year it feels like I don't want to say chaos but like Man, there's like no commitment to be on those flanks at all. So you can see here, Nylander kind of whatever comes off the boards, gives the puck to Marner. A little bit of a setup here, but this this is this is the the part I want you to see. It's like Klingberg has the puck here. You can see Nylander's going back to his flank. Matthews on his flank, and Marner, JT are kind of net front. Marner's kind of uh, beside the post right there. The thing I love from William Nylander here is, and again Klingberg drawing in the defender, forcing him to commit. Look at because John Klingberg forces this forward to commit right here. Look how much open space there is for Nylander in the middle. And he's going to cut, cut through the ice right here. And we have a great, it's good. The puck is going to go to Matthews. Matthews is going to pass it to Nylander. And it's a, just a great opportunity for William Nylander in the slot right here. And bang, like, look, look, beautiful. Like we're creating open space in, in places where we've had guys there before, but because of the movement of the puck and the way that our guys have been moving around off puck and on puck, we're creating much more open spaces for like these lanes to open up. And I feel like that was the biggest problem. And it, everyone pointed it out last year. It's like, we're not getting enough movement to open up these spaces, but just through here, you can see how much space we're getting just by simply one Klingberg drawing in his defender, being a threat, forcing them to make a commitment. And then two, just Nylander's off puck movement. there, breaking through the zone. And I mean, good stuff there to break up that penalty kill. So the biggest things I noticed just to wrap it all up here was one, the threat of Klingberg touched on that all throughout the clips. The second one, like we mentioned in that last clip, not being married to the flanks, being willing to attack and kind of move off the flanks and, mm-hmm. and attack open ice. And the third and most interesting one, I think, was how few times Marner was on that flank. Marner's kind of just been low. If you watch on all three of those clips, he was low. And it seems like yeah. that's kind of the position that they want him to play. It's like we don't really have a, a, a bumper anymore. We just kind of have a net front guy. And then Marner yeah. kind of floats low and we have one of Matthews, Marner, or Nylander kind of just randomly floating into that bumper position whenever there's open space. And I think that's like a good evolution of this power play. And on top of that, the the one thing that you showed, you didn't mention explicitly, the use of behind the net, below that red line. That's what we saw in the Matthews goal yesterday. Where was Mitch Marner? He was below the red line, feeds Matthews, bang. The first clip that you showed, same thing. Mitch Marner behind the net, feeds William Nylander in front. The one thing that I will say with Klingberg, you did a good job explaining. He does draw in the defender really well. I felt Morgan Riley did that in a roundabout way, but what Morgan Riley would do is different. He would attack downhill and dish out. Mm -hmm. John Klingberg is buying time and drawing in defenders by creating space and skating in like skating, you know, away from other players skating. Like as you saw in that, um, the clip to, where Matthews created space or he created space for Matthews. He was skating towards the end boards. He was skating away from away, Matthews away to create from, that yeah. space. And it's also just that skating ability that he has that allows him to do that too is fantastic. And even when you show that second clip, the Nylander finding space as well, it's the same sort of thing. He's drawing in the defender, but he's not attacking downhill. He's creating more space, look, skating backwards, skating backwards away from him. Feeds Matthews. That defender is now out of position because John Klingberg drew him all the way towards the blue line. And then Nylander was able to attack. So I really liked also that point that you made with the the three on two down low too, where they're drawing guys to the blue line and then dishing. When you're playing that more aggressive penalty kill, that's going to be really important as well. So those are three pretty good clips. I mean, I've been happy with the power play. Power play two's gotten a couple goals too i believe bertuzzi has a goal on power play too morgan riley has a goal on power play too um 
That's two. They only played 20 seconds a game. But I'm, I think there's another couple in there somewhere. There, I can't remember who, though. It's going to frustrate me now. But um, uh, anyways, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to finagle some time right now and look this up, but yeah, no, I I, I the 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 low to high stuff I think is really important, and I didn't mention it, and you you pointed mm-hmm. that out, but the biggest thing I wanted to take away from or I wanted to look at these clips when I was looking at them was the effect and the difference of having Klingberg on the point than Riley. I mean, again, I'm going based off my memory, so that's a great point about attacking downhill. And when now that you mentioned that, it makes a lot more sense because rarely do you ever see. Did we ever see it? Felt Sandy like did an okay job of it. Yeah, he did. He did it okay, but it's just very clear and evident that like that is one of, like that's not one of Morgan Riley's strength. One no. of one of the things that makes John Klingberg and like a really good offensive defenseman in the NHL is his ability on that blue line right there and his uh, his ability to move around like that. So I mean, I think he, I think he's done a great job so far. I, five on five is where he needs to clean it up a bit. But this power play looks really good, like really, really, really good. And I'm happy with it. And like when it's it's still new, it's still green to them. But when it's firing, I think it's going to be like really, like really hot, like a really hot power play here. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited. Yeah, like I'm just excited. excited yeah, there's to, only to been two goals power for play power play, too. It was Morgan Riley and uh, Tyler Bertuzzi against. Yeah, more. Yeah. That was we got to get JT a goal on the power play. Who would have thought that six he's games in, he has three assists? But yet he leads the Leafs in points, if not second. Yeah, that's kind of it's crazy. He and has all, ten or eleven points. Ten. That that could also be a function of how the power play works as well, though, because now that I think about it, and like when I was talking through it, like the guy who was kind of stationary in net from was John Tavares, right? So mm-hmm. the guy, the, the three players that are creating, creating lanes for themselves and opening up and attacking empty areas of the ice. Those are the guys who have all the goals on power play one right now, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's Matthews, it's Nylander and it's Marner. So uh, yeah, his assist against Florida though, what did he do? Flared out into a good spot. Very good spot. Took a hard one-time clapper rebound was right there for Mitch Marner buried it. Yeah, so, so it's, it's I mean, working really well, but yeah, maybe to your point, maybe we do see a reduction in power play points from from John Tavares. But at five and five, been happy. Yeah, yeah, so um, far, right? yeah. Let's let's move on from here though, and I think this is like something that would uh, be interesting to see with the player tracking data. Right, is the, the areas of the ice on the power play where these guys play the most? So like, it'd be nice to see where how. Like maybe whether it be a heat map or like mm-hmm. a, I don't know, like a line so of like them throughout. Yeah. So go ahead. So actually someone that on Twitter, Andrew Brewer, he does a pretty mm-hmm. good job with uh, drawing out like what plays look like on, looks like a, like a white, a digital whiteboard and like what position each guy moves into on goals. So that's pretty cool. Check that one out. But let's talk about a little bit about NHL edge. Um, the more I look into the data, the more you're kind of right. It, it, I don't know. I guess it's interesting to bring up some of this shit, but like yeah. in terms of actual impacts, a lot of this stuff is just like, all right, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's fluff and like skating NHL, speed especially. Yeah. So the NHL edge stuff is like, it's people were happy about it. I was pessimistic when it first came out, but now I'm on the side of more like, Okay, I understand. It's the f- so I think what people are most happy about is that it's the first step, right? It's like we're actually doing something, right? A lot of the stuff that they they put out, I think, is j- essentially useless, right? One of the one of those things being zone time. I think it mm-hmm. was like if you sort it like at a player base level, zone time is going to be useless because if you look right now at zone time, the players that are in the top ten for zone time, they all play for Carolina, and that's because Carolina has. I think was a four had a four percent higher offensive zone time than any other team in the NHL. So obviously the players on Carolina are going to have the most zone time. So Dom decision on Twitter brought up a great point. Like we need to start seeing these things weighted to add a little bit more context. And so it's in the very infant stages, but I mean, right now it feels like things are very, very useless. The only thing that I think is useful is we have very, very fine and accurate finite, I guess, and accurate, shooting data and like exactly the point on the ice where a shot is coming from that in public models and in public pay by play by play stuff is not was not as accurate as more of just a someone like on the ice just like or so sorry someone literally clicking a button and being like shot came from here shot came from here. now we have like an actual 
computer that's like should mm-hmm. be more accurate than a human. And on top of that, from the NHL play by play um page on NHL.com from like the scores and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to that section play by play, it actually shows I saw I was very curious. I was looking at certain plays. I'm like, oh, like when did a shot occur on Joseph Wool? And a couple of them had actually said like poke on net at this point at this time, like at this point at this time, as opposed to shot. Like it was a shot on goal, counted as a shot on goal, but the player poked it on net as opposed to actually took a a, a full shot, right? Yeah. So So that's pretty interesting. It's pretty telling. That's one of the flaws with expected goals, right? Like you poke it on net, still worth 0.5, 0.2 or whatever. Mm-hmm. 0.5, because 0.2 it's... because of yeah, the location. But... And did we t- do we talk about this on a show in the offseason? I don't know if we did. If we talked about like the we, we did. There, several, there was... I brought it up a couple times. How high danger chances are overrated from an expected goals standpoint? Yeah, they're heavily and we skewed. Took the example: and... we took like the top fifty players whose percentage of their shots came from the high danger area. They were consistently performing below their expected goals totals, whereas medium danger players and low danger shooters were both exceeding expectations on average. Yeah, and this so, went with natural statric and money puck. Who or more both, so money puck. Who both have different expected goal models as well, right? Like money puck. I believe money puck takes in like the angle of the shot into mm-hmm. their expected goal a little bit as well there. So that's, that's something that I think is going to be really interesting to like define and something that we're, we're going to be like, this is kind of why I'm, I'm starting to become more excited because we're eventually going to see a shift and like how how we know and understand stats because of mm-hmm. this player tracking stuff, right? And like you mentioned, right? If you look at the the shot, there, there's a very cool shot map on, and I think this is the most useful tool, like I said, because of the shot location data. If you look at the shot map on the NHL, NHL Edge website, you can look at team and you can sort by all locations. You can sort by long range. You can sort by mid range. And then the third one is high danger. And it's interesting because high danger is just net front stuff. And intuitively... Yeah, those are high danger shots, and that's what we classify as high danger shots. But who knows? Maybe a mid range shot with pre shot movement is has actually a higher chance of going in than a shot that's just coming from net net front, right? Maybe there's a, a certain shot from the point at a certain angle. If you if you with a certain certain shot speed, that might be a more valuable shot than just a simple shot in front of the net, like a, a, a pad stuffing shot, right? Because we see a lot of like. Brady Brady Chuck is like literally the golden boy of like the expected goals models, right? And I I like like looking at expected goals model. It's a good way to contextualize what you see with your eyes as well. But I mean, we all see that he a lot of his his high expected goals for number is because he's literally a pad stuffer. He like just gets those shots in from up close, yeah, right? Like exactly. and that some of those aren't like those are not val- if you're just whacking at a puck, that's not valuable to me. I don't think that's high danger. Yeah, you're close. Maybe those like maybe those will go in, but I mean, on the bounce probabilities, they don't really go in as often as like I don't know. That is that type of shot is equal to someone who's maybe backdoor and has a wide open net and shoots that right. Those would be like equal chances. So I mean, that's what you brought up something that triggered a memory. That's what killed me about expected goals in 2020. People were showing it was games like Frederick Anderson was getting shell just back door back door back door back door and people were pulling up the expected goals going hmm our goal is just not very good they only have a goal and a half expected goals but it was three i remember this game three back door goals and people yeah, are saying and, and oh but all... he's putting himself out of position no our defense just sucks <laughs> yeah and, and maybe hey maybe maybe in the future people will be able to create like we'll be able to have goalie tracking data as well as like player tracking data where we can see the the position of the of the goalie in the net when they shoot the puck. And that can have an effect on expected goal as well, right? There's a lot of cool stuff that can eventually come from this. It's only the first step. We might like other sports have been doing this kind of stuff for years and years and years. So like, we're still a ways behind, but it's going to be interesting to see like how they implement this stuff. And I, I think it's the, the right step. It's the first step, but like, man, there's, if you see any NHL da- edge data on Twitter supporting or like, going against one of your players just just throw it out it's useless okay. right now it's it's useless info so the one thing that i wanted to bring up you brought up other sports they're doing like what they're doing with advanced models and such 
apparently the Amazon AI like model thing that they have going that like reads the plays and such mm-hmm. apparently it predicted a corner blitz before it even happened. Someone oh, yeah, was yeah, showing yeah. a video. Yeah, that was, was really like, cool. What the hell? Uh, in the it just NFL, showed it, they... it pointed at the guy watch corner blitz like yeah. okay tony romo it, it's it, it was really cool because they do it based off of like pre-snap movement where they can tell that like based on certain alignments and like what it's That's crazy so cool i don't i don't think like i i mean i'm sure we could probably get to that at the nhl level where it's like you highlight a guy who's like this guy could be potentially be a scoring threat from this area because he's open kind of thing you know like past year could lead to a goal maybe like i don't know it's it's, no, I feel like that is something that's oh, this defense pinches here. Um, this player, like William Neal, like John Klingberg pinches. William Nylander has to watch the the point, and the puck starts going the other way. What happens more often than not? Like, it's a good not chance. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. not good for us. But uh, I saw yeah, that so way I, too many times. Yeah. Um, there's also one thing I want to bring up that I think is the only useful thing from the NHL agent. It's the uh, it's the shot locations just comparing last year to this year. So something that was like, and the reason why I bring it up is because people talk about this team and it's interesting because the, what was the narrative of this team last year? Right. We're soft. We can't get shots from in close, all those kinds of things. Right. So I'm just going to bring up right now a, the shot map of, this is from last year compared to this year. So 2023, 2022, obviously like we have very few, don't, don't focus on the numbers inside, focus on like the, the let's, let's call it the uh, amount of shots, I guess the colors here. Right. So it's, we have a, a light, light gray in front of the net, which means that we tend to get more shots than NHL average in front of the net. That's the same for this year. And that's also true for last year too. Right. So if you want to look like these, can you see my cursor? Yes, you can. Okay, so these top two little brackets, areas of the ice, are considered high danger, the high danger areas. And as you can see with the color, we actually are in those areas more than the average NHL team. And how much more are we in there than the NHL team? I will tell you in one second when I bring up the high danger shot map here. So yeah, we have the high uh, danger shot. Go ahead. Oh, oh, go ahead. Do you have it up? Yeah. I thought you needed me to filibuster. No, okay. no, no, we're Let's good. High, high danger <laughs> shot map here. Leafs are 99th percentile this year with high danger shots on goal. 93rd percentile last year with high danger shots on goal. Small thing, side note to all of this. Can we just have team ranking? I know they don't want to embarrass I some know. teams, and that's why they have below 50 so, for everyone that's below 50. So they don't want to dumb. embarrass some people. But guess what? It's the NHL. One team is going to be first. Another team is going to be last, right? There's going to be a 30-second team. So just do numbers, bro. Like, I, I hate know. this below 50th shit. Like, th- we need to know that kind of stuff. That's yeah, the important. 73rd like, percentile. Like, I, I, I don't want to look up what that what number that is. Just yeah, tell me. Like, I don't want to do the math for that. But yeah, anyways, uh, sorry. I, I took that off the screen for a second here. But yeah, it's just something that I noticed that was interesting that last year, how much we generated net front and like, our, our shooting percentage net front was actually below league. I was just interested. I don't know. Do these stats mean anything? No, but I just thought like intuitively thinking about this Leafs team last year and then being not as rough and tough as people wanted them to be. We still got a lot of chances from the net front. So yeah, just something That's interesting. That I, yeah. Last year. We yeah. So at, you can see. Yeah. And last we year was 93rd. from the net front this year. We're getting the shots to the net front, but we're not scoring. Is that right? Yeah, it, it seems like that, but also like this year, it's let's not. I, I don't want to pay attention Five too much games. to like the goals Six and shooting games. percentage because it's just such a small sample size, right? But yeah, this is this, this will be something that'd be cool to compare over the the coming weeks when we start to get like a larger sample uh, of data here. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting was the long range stuff. As expected, we were like one of the like below fiftieth percent, <laughs> below fiftieth percentile with long range shots coming from the D. Um, so we'll, we'll see if maybe the new additions on defense will change that. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was pretty interesting. And, uh, speaking of edges, I wanted to talk to you guys 
about Manscaped. Gentlemen across the nation, I have an urgent message for you. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped, the brand that took your balls to space is now launching them into the ultrasphere. Introducing the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, featuring a new cutting edge design and next generation dual skin safe blade heads for different shaves. It's pretty much a spaceship to take your boys downstairs to the next level. Join 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code RINKRAT. That is R-I-N-K-R-A-T at manscaped.com, 20% off and free shipping. High tech for low places. Manscaped. I like that new ad read. It's a sick That's one. The, it's a great ad read. I, they're my favorite Shall we talk about the man of the week now? Yes. The man of the week, the man of the year, maybe. The rookie of the year, maybe. Is he eligible? Ryan Reeves, he like... won the expected goals battle against Tampa oh Bay. Just God. kidding. It is Joseph Wool. And I wanted to take a look at some of these plays against Washington and Tampa here. Hopefully... Yeah, this yeah, you got this, doesn't dude. load very well. No, they're, they're, anyways, it's loading for me. Don't back. worry. All right. Well, I hate when it does this. Okay. There we go. Okay, so first shot. One of the first shots of the game was a shot from Ovechkin. The one thing that I wanted to point out about that save there, when he Ovechkin tees off the one-timer, Joseph Will gets there. He's in pretty good position, but... Someone on Twitter, and I actually need to look up their name because it was it was pretty insightful, I would say, um, was mentioning how he missed his mark on this one, and he ended up sliding outside of the net. It was a save. It was a good save. There was no rebound. However, if you look at it, he, he didn't stay set, and he had to, you know, kind of had to slide out of the net. Here we are. It's Gregory Ballack. Uh, Greg at Greg B A L L O C H. And he was saying that, yeah, on this first one, you can see he actually misses his mark and ends up way outside of the frame. He's lucky Ovi didn't go against the grain on that shot, but I think that helped him calibrate. Um, so essentially, saying like it, when you watch it slowly, his feet didn't quite get set on this one, he's still in motion. And so that results in him sliding out of the net. And that's where he mentioned. If that shot went against the grain, he would have kind of been screwed because he would have given up that far side to Ovechkin a little bit more. But nevertheless, a pretty solid save. Watch this one here. Ovi in the high danger spot. Clapper, no problem. Feet were set. No rebound. Easy. This was another one-timer. Feet were set on this one. Makes the save. Now, this is the disallowed goal, but that was just pure bullshit. This is another great one here. His RVH is fantastic. A lot of goalies I noticed this year are going blocker down for RVH in this situation. They're trying to block off the pass and do too much. Listen, the blocker down RVH can cause issues. Notice how his blocker's up. And then watch where the puck goes. Gets out of the RVH, comes out of his crease, meets, I think that's Sonny Milano there. Another nice save, rebound bounces out, and he's able to scramble. And again, same thing. Comes off the post a little bit, comes out to the shot. Maybe a little bit too much movement, but that's okay. Another part that I wanted to highlight, and I'm going to bring this up in the Tampa game as well. It's probably the last, second last play from this game that I wanted to show. His recoil. So the recoil, back in the day, what goalies used to do was C-cut back, gain some momentum, and then slide. Now what you do is both both feet back at the same time so that there's less movement in your body and you're able to face the shot better. His upper body is a little bit hunched over, but that's what happens when the player comes in closer, your gloves go more out in front to cut off that angle. And watch this. Get some momentum back, no problem, slides across, takes away the, the deke, no problem at all. He's big, he moves well, and he covers a ton of net, especially on that butterfly slide there. I love that one there. Just another quick look at it. Ovi on the breakaway, no problem. This was just another beauty save. Stretches across, no problem at all. Um, this last save here, 
is a beauty. And it just shows the positioning, the his positioning and his awareness of where he is in the net. I think that would be kind of how to describe it. Point shot's going to come in. It's going to miss the net, and it's going to go to this guy on the left side here. I forget who it is. Watch Joseph Wool. Miss, follows the rebound, gets across, seals the post. Doesn't overslide, just gets to the post, and is able to cut off that shot. Just, like, he's he's not overmoving. He's able to, like, on shots with pre-shot movement, He's able to play them beautifully. He's not overplaying them, really. I mean, we saw one example. He overplayed it a touch, we'll call it, but got fortunate where the shot was placed. Uh, the other part that I want to show you, this one's long. I'm not going to play this full thing, but can this I, can I just jump performance in? against Tampa. Yeah. I just want to jump in here for a second for that last that, that last save you brought up here. was like, like, I don't know how many times we've seen previous goalies of this team, like, what I want to highlight is Joseph Wall's ability to find the post there, like you mentioned, and like seal it, right? I feel like previous mm -hmm. times we'd see goalies slide across like that, not even worry about the post, just worried, worried more about just getting across. I don't know if that's losing the post or just not having... Not like, being quick enough. Is that it's just not simply being not being... Enough. Yeah, so like, and I feel like Samsonov, and I feel like even Murray when he played, yeah. Anderson, they would never be able to seal that post like that. It feels like they'd be mm. just sliding all the way across, kind of. So, I mean... Well, Murray just wouldn't get there. He's he's pretty slow. Samsonov's upper body is just so wild. It would have kind of, like, when he's turning and having to, you know, go from one side to the other. Like, shot comes to his left side, bounces off of the backboards there, and goes to the right. So you have mm. to go from left to right. Your upper body, if it's efficient, it will help you to move to the puck in time, uh, get square to the puck in time. Samsonov's upper body is too wild. And so that turning, like like that torque almost, like the body's not going to be cooperating with it and it's not going to really get there in time from what we've seen. However, yeah. this is not a bashing Samsonov episode. I Sorry. fully expect him to, no, it's, it's fine. I fully expect him to bounce back. I mean, 8.36 to start the season, though. Oh, boy. <laughs> but leaving, leaving I, I think he'll get he'll, Yeah, I wonder who gets the net in Dallas. I, I feel like it's going to be Joseph Wool because Sheldon Keefe does not have patience for goaltenders. Um, we've had him on before. Jamie Phillips, he has a hilarious story. I might post the video if I can find it. He was saying that when he played for Sheldon Keefe in Pembroke, gave up two goals in one period to a not very good team. And Sheldon Keefe was the coach of the team at the time, went up to him and said, he said it on the podcast so I could say it. Sheldon Keefe went up to Jamie Phillips and said, if you let him one more goal, skate off the ice, take off your gear and go home with your parents. <laughs> Shows you just how much patience Sheldon Keefe has for goaltenders, especially ones that were like 19, 20 at the time. Not even 18, I want to say, but. Shall we get into some Tampa? Let's do it. As I mentioned before, Nylander covering for the D just kind of gets walked. Eh, not Probably not in the best position. Braden Point walks in on a breakaway. As I mentioned with that recoil, it's another good example here. Nice and steady, gets across, no problem. Plays the shot perfectly, no option there. Braden Point tries to beat him by going around. Nothing there as well. When a guy comes in on an angle, like a little bit of an angle like that, he has a couple of options. Are you playing the shot properly? Can he beat you on the shot? Number one. Number two, can he beat you long ways? Can he kind of make the quick move around you? Are you going to be anticipating that he's going far side? Can he beat you on that far leg there? And number three, is he? are you playing too much of that far side? Can he beat you on the short side or open you up and slip it through? Braden Point chooses the long ways. Joseph Wool meets him perfectly. I mean, the form here is fantastic. A little bit of a recoil, butterfly slide, meets him perfectly, blocker safe. This was another great one here. Darren Radish, watch this. Pre-shot movement, pre-shot movement, gets a set, perfect, no rebound there. Uh, this one was a bit of a lucky one. This was the Kucherov, but plays crazy. it decently. It's a terrible play by David Kampf, but... Uh, fast forward a little bit here. This was the play that 
I wanted to bring up. It gets a little bit scrambly here if you watch him in his net, but I like the recovery on it. Mm-hmm. So watch it. Like, we're going to play it through. And if you're listening on audio, we're watching the second period power play from Tampa Bay. But when you go back to it, like gets a little bit scrambly, kind of loses the puck, is able to get square to it again. And then Hedman makes the pass to Kucherov. He's able to meet Kucherov there, no rebound. Or I guess a bit of a rebound, and he covers up. Uh, this is the last play I'll show. Hagel. Like it gets maybe gets a little bit behind Hagel there. Doesn't quite get out far enough, but I mean, it stretches out far enough to. Uh, to make the save. They counted it as a save. I thought it hit the post, but they counted it as a save. Anywho, that was Joseph Wool's week or weekend, I guess. Fantastic. Fantastic. Cannot say enough. Do you think he gets nominated for the Calder? I know I'm putting you on the spot. Yes. Yes. Listen, if he play, if he is able to be like the one a for this team, he will a hundred percent get nominated. What did, didn't Kochikov get nominated for the the Calder? Did he get No, was there a goalie recently who got not who got Calder votes? Yeah, Logan like Thompson was. was up there, but I don't think he got nominated. Um, goalie's getting nominated for the Calder. I'm trying to think, was Swayman nominated? Maybe a couple of years ago. Maybe, maybe that's I know Nadelkovic a few years ago was nominated for the Calder. Shesterkin was fifth in 20, Mm, 2020, uh, 2020, 2021. Mm He didn't Uh, play many games, but it was terrific. Right. But how many games, like how many games, how many games do we expect Joseph Hall to play this year? 30? 30, we said. 40, right? So if he gets to that and if he puts up 915, he should be a shoe in, I think. Yeah, if it's if it's nine fifteen, it would be have to be like forty or so games. Yeah, so under yeah, but it, so I have Jeremy Swayman here had twenty three wins, fourteen losses with a nine fourteen save percentage for Boston and got fifth. So you're right, he's gonna have to do a lot better than that. So nominated uh, would be third. So a little nominated bit would be third. Than that, yeah, and he had especially this is a good rookie class, yeah. right? I mean, Logan Cooley, Connor Bedard, yeah, Adam Fantilli, yeah. Potris, the the kid from Boston, just came yeah. out of. I don't know if Patrice Bergeron gave this kid a special sauce or something. He's all I'm hearing out of Boston now. There, so that's an interesting one. Were some other good rookie goaltenders? Logan Thompson was definitely one. I had. I was banking on him for the call. Swayman. Swayman. Um. Oh my God. Andre was okay in his rookie circuit. year. He was. He didn't get. He played so much before. Like he actually played. I feel like he broke the six game barrier. No, he right? played. He was the backup and then he got sent down the next year. Oh, yeah. They signed oh, yeah, Holtby yeah. for some reason. And then they were like, shit. Yeah. Well, and they're like, yeah. do you think this affects your like qualifying offer or something? He's like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> That's so funny. Dallas what, Stars, what baby. Guy. Lucked into that kid. Um, I can't find the 2023 voting. I don't know if, I don't know if, uh, there were votes cast for goalies last year, but yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Better. Anyways, so Joseph Wool Calder, what's he sitting at right now on DraftKings? Pull that up. His odds. That's a good. That's a good question. Pull that up right now. Something that we should have looked up way before. Yeah, I mean, well, okay, wait. What put put together his wins? How many wins he needs to? How many games played? How many wins and his save percentage on the year for him to be nominated? Or sorry, for him to yeah, for him to hit the top three. What do you think he would have to do? Top three would have to be top three because they're gonna give Dawson. No, but Anaheim sucks. So top three would have to be nine. Like if he's at forty games, it would have to be nine twenty. If he's at fifty games, it'd have to be nine fifteen or higher. Mm-hmm. Around there. So you'd have to be a starter with decent numbers or a 1A, 1B with good numbers. Okay, yeah. So or I backup would probably... with exceptional numbers. 
I would say he would need 30 wins, and I would say he would need like a 918. And I think that would either. I like how you bring up wins because it's journalists voting for no, this. That's so that's Steve that's Simmons that's how you have like... to that's how you have to think about it. You have to. You have to. You literally have to do that. I know. Um, Remember when they will not... Felix Hernandez, people were criticizing him winning the Cy Young because he didn't have a winning record. Yeah, that was a pitcher. Yeah, that was. But crazy. he had like a two ERA. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> because the guy who's who's throwing the ball also swings the bat, right? Uh, yeah. I guess at that time he was. But anyway, Otani. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> uh, I I pulled up the odds. Obviously, Connor Bedard sitting at minus one sixty right now. He's like very much the favorite. So like, it's tough to bet the field in something like that. But Joseph Wall, twenty to one. I mean, that's kind of crazy. He's. He's he's tied for fifth with Devin Levi. I think he'll be ahead of Devin Levi if if we come back and look at this a quarter I'll way through the year for Devin Levi. He will be ahead of Devin Levi, I think, because yeah. one, Devin Levi won't get enough wins with that Buffalo Savers team, and two, I don't know if Devin Levi is going to be as good as Joseph Hall. The Joseph Hall has the advantage of being older, right? Like he's like experience. Yeah, he just like yeah. It's tougher for younger goalies to do well in the NHL. We've seen that time and time again. So yeah. the older you are, usually as a goalie, the better it is. So, so I am seeing a little bit of discourse too with regards yeah. to Joseph Wall. Why didn't they call him up sooner? Seeing it from a lot of people. Why didn't they call him up sooner? This whole thing, goalies take longer to develop. Oh no, they're just, they're too scared to put a younger guy in. Listen, Joseph Wall in college, going all the way back to when, uh, after the year, the Leafs drafted him, when he was at Boston college, like I remember with the world junior team, it was like, big save and then muffin the next shot. He was very, very inconsistent. There was a lot of mental things he needed to work on it with his game. Number one, number two, he gets to the AHL. I don't think comparing those AHL numbers were fair because the Marlies just had such a tire fire of a defense in front of him. I mean, Joseph mm-hmm. Duzak's a glorified left winger. I don't know what he was doing on defense or being listed as a defense. But that's the level of defense he had in front of him. So that's why he had an 880 and then an 892. Like that full year of him being out killed him. They gave him, they gave 24 games to Shalgren in that time. Those games would have went to Joseph Wall if he was not injured through that whole time. So they would have brought him up sooner. And they did, they did at one point, gave him four games. But because of that injury and because of the Kurt, like he did get better after that second year in the AHL. Like he did, he noticeably looked a lot better and noticeably from start to start from period to period looked more consistent. And he did, has done a ton of work on his mental game too. So yeah. Did they bring him up too late? I I think they brought him up at the right, the perfect time. Just, he got injured. It was unfortunate. And and like, exactly like you said, I think the plan, the plan would have been better for him to start the year on the team last year and just kind of let it ride instead of having a guy like Matt Murray but or maybe signing a like a guy worth half of Matt Murray and using right that something was along the those lines. Unfortunate but thing. He got that hurt, right? And that's thing. what he no got one... hurt the season before. You couldn't see him in that op- that window where you could have. You couldn't see him there, and you couldn't help out the least because they had so many damn goalie injuries. I mean, holy smokes, the goalie injuries piled up for the he, the he, past two years. I'm pretty sure he also started the year hurt. No, am I? Am I thinking he did this, last yeah. year? He did yes. He last year, which like, is. After year hurt, right, and and it was so if you months. remember, Shalgren had those games early on in the season Ten. because Joseph Wall was hurt, right? So they, the I, the goaltending depth was so injured they had to sign Keith Petrozelli, and they almost weren't able to because Nicholas Abe Kubel, if he didn't get claimed off of waivers, the Leafs would have been just totally screwed. They would have been stuck with Jet Alexander. As a backup, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Anything else you had on the docket? That's it for me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go Leafs, go.